Welcome from the North Camp. <laughs> Good to be in the house of the South Camp. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord God, for stretching out your hand, Lord God, upon this nation. We thank you, Father, for your fire that is being poured out in the churches. We thank you, Father, that they are ever increasing, God, by men that are answering the call. We thank you, Father, that there are some, Lord God, that will lay down all their life, Lord God. That they realize, Lord God, the cost. And no matter that cost, Lord God, they say yes in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the nations, Lord God, that are being touched by this place. Lord God, by the One Association churches. Mighty God, we thank you, Father, for giving us the privilege to be part of your plan, not passing us by, Lord God, but letting us, Lord God, be part of the story of your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Oh, come on. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Just a few hours ago, we were sitting in Pastor Eric's living room and he read for us. Turn there with me if you would. First Timothy chapter 2 says, I urge you then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godless, godliness, keep me on track, and holiness. Somebody say holiness. holiness. Is holiness important? Yes. Oh, that's an understatement. It's vital, isn't it? Yes. It's kind of what we're shooting for. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all men, say all men, all men, to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for what? For all men. As we sat in the living room, and Pastor Eric must have mentioned the word all at least 25 times, I knew that God was with us. Because God put a word on my heart before I got here. And he confirmed it by at least 25 times <laughs> while sitting in the living room. Now let me ask you something. When Pastor Eric said all, do you think that he really meant all or just some? All. all. When the scripture says all men, is that some men or all men? All. all men. Well, let me ask you something. If I were to tell you all means all, is there any gray area in that or is that very, very definite? It's definite. It's definite. All means all. This is what the Lord's been speaking to my heart and therefore you get some as well. How, do you, how many of you know that preachers are actually preaching to themselves? Yes. Yes. Amen. We at the Arising Church have decided that we are all in. It is this lifestyle that was taught to us. It is the lifestyle that we're held accountable to. And it is the call in which we have answered. Amen. There is not a stone left unturned. There is not an emotion left unturned in our heart. There's not a sin hiding in darkness that God does not want to sift out. That's right. Because he does not want that part of your life. All means all. all Are you all in? All in. Are you all in? All in. 
Are you sure this is not lip service? Because when God comes and takes the senses of your heart, will he find something there that is not eternal? Here's what we want. And when I say we, I'm talking about the arising church. I'm talking about all the other one association churches. And I'm definitely talking about my brothers and sisters in this room. When we say all and when God says all, when he wants all men, he is going to get all men. His spirit is poured out on all men. And let me ask you something. If the spirit is poured out on all men, does that leave any out? Okay. His spirit has been poured out upon all men and he is saving some and convicting some. Some are answering the call and some are letting him pass by. If you were to be honest with yourself tonight. If you really, really looked into your own heart and your own life, would you find some reserve? I'd say yes. You know why? Because I look and I, I often do. And when I do, I fall upon my face before the living God and I say I'm still in need of a savior. Yeah, amen. Yesterday's bread's no good. I need bread today. What we desire, and when I say we, I'm speaking prophetically to you and I. So whether I know the details of your life, I'm going to loop you in if that's okay with you. When I say we, we want a fasted lifestyle. We want an Isaiah 58 life. We want one that's not, that has any reserves in it. Nothing's left unturned. Are you searching your heart right now? Because I am. In Matthew 10, we love this quote. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. We're going to do that. We are doing that. Darkness is being driven out in this place tonight. When you find an area that is dark in your life, And you move it out the way. Now you have a greater capacity for the Holy Ghost to fill you. What does he do? He is faithful. He fills you. Like he said, told Job, brace yourself like a man. Brace yourself like a man. Because when the living God shows up, you should expect to to expect to be shaken. To expect to be overwhelmed. You are standing in the presence of the living God. How do we think that we can actually stand in his presence? We want more. We want more. We want more. We want more of you. Pour it out. And he says, I poured it out. Now receive it. I poured it out. Now receive it. When you submit wholly to him, he will overwhelm you, fill you and make you more than an overcomer. Somebody say amen. Amen. And at the end of the scripture, it says, Freely you have received, freely give. What did you receive? I always say, well, we received his Holy Spirit and it gives me a little fuzzy feeling sometimes. We received his Holy Spirit and he gives me counsel sometimes. And he leads me in the direction so that I'm protected at sometimes. Oh, we know it's much more than that, don't we? Freely you have received a way of life. You have received a way of life, a yoke. The yoke and the way of life in which Jesus Christ walked while he was on this planet. When you look into 
the details of his life. You are looking into the details of the life that you should be living out. You were called to do even greater things than he. How is that possible? <laughs> it's not. And you know why? Because God is after the impossible in your life. Amen. Hmm. Freely you have received. So freely what? Give. Give. We love to talk about all that Jesus paid for us. Oh, Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. Hallelujah. But what about your life? Do you love him enough that you will actually literally give up your life for the cost of the gospel? That you might have a maximum glory for his name. We talk about a legacy that we live, that we leave on this planet. What's your story? Are you building, like Pastor Eric said, a monument? Are you building a memorial offering to his name? Are you building a life for yourself? Are you building a life that glorifies his name? Isaiah 58, in case you didn't know, is written for you and available for you daily to search out, to mind, to memorize, to write on your heart so that you might actually live it out. Isaiah 58 says this in verse four, your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. So we put our body through rigorous pain and we keep it from food and we fast from our Facebook Come on, somebody. That is not what God is looking for. It's not about what you don't do, what you restrict. It's about what you do, who you are, what your story is, and making sure that your story is his story, the story of his glory. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? How many know good is not good enough? It's, not good enough. it's only God or nothing. Amen. All means all. Amen. When he called you, he called to have all of you, yes. not a portion of you and not some of you, all of you. Does he have all of your life? Is not this the kind of fast I have chosen for you, says the Lord? To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. Amen. That sounds conditional to me. If, 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 if you respond to me when I call, 
if you reciprocate my love that I poured out for you, if, if, if I will hear your cry and I will fight for you. I will be your rear guard. I'll be in front of you. I'll be a firewall around you. I'll be in you. I mean, there's nowhere that he is not. You know why? Because when he says all, he means all. Is this not the kind of fast that I chose for you to loose the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the yoke? To untie the cords of a way of life that has been choking you, holding you back, keeping you stagnant. There is no stagnant in the kingdom. There's only forward. It's unnatural. It's unnatural. It's unnatural to be stagnant in the kingdom. This is why Revelation calls it lukewarm. When you search your heart, do you find lava, fire? Do you find cold water? It would be better that you found one or the other instead of something that's lukewarm. You know why? Because you're not being real with yourself. Is this not the kind of lifestyle that I called you to? A fasted lifestyle. A, a lifestyle that says all means all in every case in my life. Hallelujah. Isaiah 42. Turn there, please. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. How many of you want God to delight in your life? How many of you know that there is actually something required of you? That he might show favor upon you? Don't you know that his favor was imparted? But day by day by day, something is possible to happen. Look. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on the earth. Zedekah, righteousness, justice. And guess where he starts? In your heart. In your heart. When I walk in, I get so excited to be in the house of my friends. I look forward to seeing the exponential growth in those that I left behind here. And it breaks my heart when I see those that I spent days and days and years with being outpaced in the kingdom. Some of those that were once on fire for God, but are now a smoldering wick. God wants all of you, not a portion, not some. You are supposed to love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your mind and all your strength. You ask yourself, what's wrong? I tell you, it's because you've only given a portion. But when you give all, when you do not reserve and you do not hold back, he will light you a fire once again because he is faithful. Yes. Hey, he preaches better than you. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. 
A bruised reed he will not break. And a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness. In faithfulness. His name is faithful and true. He does not sleep nor slumber. And he works on behalf of you. In Exodus 30. Turn with me there. In Exodus 30. Verse 11. Then the Lord said to Moses, when you take a census of the Israelites to count them, each one must pay the Lord a ransom for his life at the time he is counted. Well, that'll just mess up your theology. That just screws it all up. How in the world does a person pay a ransom? I thought Jesus paid the ransom for us. Maybe it's a tension of two truths. Maybe it's the reality of both and. Maybe it is. And you've only caught a hold of one but not the other. Maybe you're sitting on your salvation. Maybe you are waiting. And let me tell you something. It has once been said that the man who waits for the tenth hour, God will come at the ninth. God's speaking to your heart. He's put you on the collision course. Men like Anthony who are in here, who has traveled with me, God's speaking to his heart. And he is answering the call. He is counting the costs and determining in his life. And I know I can see the fire in his eyes that he's going to say yes before he knows the answer. This is the kind of like-minded people that you're to surround yourself with. We don't wait. We don't wait for the 10th hour because God might just pass us by. And that's a hard truth to swallow. The truth is some of you are up here being filled with the Holy Spirit. You run to the altar and God touches you because he's faithful. He fills you because he's faithful. And you walk away and you should have got more than you had when you got there. You see, he started something there, but it was supposed to continue in your walk. Amen. It was supposed to continue. And as you stepped, you should be searing the ground because you are lit on fire. No longer a smoldering wick. No longer a bruised reed. Hurt by the church. Hurt by your family. Hurt by hard words of discipline. Go walking around pouting. Having pity for yourself. If you will tap into the Holy Spirit, if you will surrender all, and I mean all means all, he will fill you, set you free and burn in you. But you know why? It's not for you. It's for someone else. You see, we get caught in the struggle. We get we fall in love with it. Day by day by day, we're, we're whining about this sin and how I'm going through this first world suffering and I can't get over this and that, right? All the way to the end of your days. To the end of your days. And you know what? The enemy's won because he's kept you trapped. When you were supposed to work from victory. When you, was, you were supposed to work for victory. To glorify his name. To be done with sin. And to fight the good fight of faith, to be full of power, knowing that you were called to go to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons and give freely of what was freely given to you. You know what that is? Your life. But what do we do? We walk around with a survival mentality, always keeping something in our back pocket, trying to soften our fall. That's inevitably coming. 
We want to soften up over here because we know that we're walking eggshell on eggshells around our king of glory. We're keeping a little something in our back pocket for that day, that little bit of reserve, and that is what God's calling for. All means all. Every bit of your life. And when you make that decision to surrender all, your whole paradigm changes. Everything becomes new. That's what he's doing. You know, he's still in the business of making all things new. Exodus 30. Verse 11. Then the Lord said to Moses, when you take a census of the Israelites to count them, each one must pay the Lord a ransom for his life at the time he is counted. How many of you know, how many of you know that you've been counted as righteousness just as Abraham was? Amen. When you put your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ and him crucified, buried, resurrected, sitting upon the throne, poured out his spirit for you, you have been counted as righteous. And for those who are counted as righteous, there is a ransom to pay. There is actually a responsibility upon your behalf, and it's your life. When he takes a census, how many of you know that God shows up to take a daily census of your heart? Luke 14, 25 says, Now a great multitude went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother, wife and children, brothers, sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. We walk around calling ourselves disciple, but we got a little bit of reserve in our back pocket. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You feel a turmoil in your spirit. You wonder why. You're walking as a child of God. You read the scriptures and it says, I've been set free, but you don't feel so free. Maybe it's because of that ball and chain you're carrying around you. You're walking in a free man's land, but you're not a free man because you got some hidden sin in your life. But God shows up to take a census and he's not showing up to take a census to punish you. He's showing up to take a census of your heart to liberate you. For which of you intended to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish all who see it begin to mock him saying this man begun to build and was not able to finish or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000 or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and at, and asks conditions of peace. Oh man. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake how much everything, everything. All, means all. all means all. There is no way around it. There is no beating around the bush. God said it. So I believe it. Yes. And that he has uh, does not forsake all that he has, cannot be my disciple. How will you fare? This is my thought each day. How will I fare on the day 
when the great king comes to take a census of my heart. On the day when I stand upon the judgment seat of Christ and I'm judged for the good things that I've done and also the bad. When I have loss of reward and gain. What will he say on the day that he takes the senses of your heart? Are you hiding something? Are you holding back? Yeah. I knew it wasn't just me. Are you satisfied with having secrets? No. With your king? No. Do you really think it's a secret? Where are you, Adam? It's like, psh, come on, God, you know where I'm at. So he wasn't asking for himself. He was asking for you so that you could identify that you might be sitting on some reserve and you might have a spirit of comfort, complacency, a little bit of something hiding in your back pocket. And God says, hey, Adam, all means all. Come on out. Let me cover that for you, set you free, liberate you, put you back on your feet and make you a son again, fill you. He's still in that business, you know. Yes. He doesn't desire. It's not his desire that he walks around and just goes, you know what? Who can I discipline today? He actually wants to set you free. There can't be a skeleton in the closet. There can't be any seed hidden under your tent, Aiken. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the proper time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. You might as well get it done now because it's coming. At that time, each one will receive his praise from God. (laughs) Acts 17, 31. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. Romans 2.16, on that day, according to my gospel, God judges the secret of men by Jesus Christ. (laughs) Luke 18.18, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus says. My favorite one-liners just ends the argument. Men spent their whole lives making doctrine that their goodness was godliness. And Jesus comes, right, and does the Jesus Kung Fu and just obliterates it in one sentence. There is none good. Why do you call me good? Ah, yes. Like Pastor Eric said, we are monstrous sinners in need of an extraordinary holy God. Because when I woke up this morning, I don't know about you, but I was still in need of a Savior. Twenty nine. Truly, I tell you, Jesus says to this man, no one has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God. These will not fail to receive many times as much in this age and the age to come in eternal life. Come on, somebody say salvation is for today. Salvation is for today. You know what that looks like when you submit to God fully. When you say, God, you said all and you meant all and you meant all surrender in my heart, you will receive the Holy Spirit poured out in you today in the land of the living. Get your mind off of heaven and put your mind on earth. 
often our heads are caught up in the clouds too much and we're wondering and we're just over-spiritualized at times and all of a sudden, if you actually focus on the heavens, you're going to find that He actually points your focus right back here. You know why? Jesus' object of love was the cross, but your object of love is each other. This is what He's called you to. Luke 18, 6. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for those chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I want to tell you something. He will find faith in me. You know why? Because I know what I'm made of. I remember the day when Adam was, was made, created from the dirt. And he, wasn't, he was only a form of a man until God breathed the Ruach HaKodesh into him. Do you remember that day for you? Do you remember when you were only a form of a man or woman? And that you were a great need of the Holy Spirit to pour out into you, to make you new, to set you free. You see, the truth is, if you got your mind on that day and it's become a memorial to you, you just found your problem. Because God wants to fill you every day. You know why? Because you need it. You know why? Because you're supposed to be pouring out. All means all. And when the Spirit comes, He looks forward to filling all of you. Okay, let me slow down there. What if we let God be himself in us? What if we let the personality of the Holy Spirit run rampant inside of you? What do you think he'd act like? Do you think he'd be a little undignified? Do you think he'd be reserved? No, probably not, right? Pastor Eric said, oh, we get a little emotional in here. You better believe it. Because he's filled all of our emotions, all of our mind, and all of our will. I'm not scared anymore. No. I drove 21 hours to get here. And you know what? When the Holy Spirit shows up and my body does not want to worship, the spirit inside of me is willing and I will not be out-worshipped. You know why? Because His blood was worth it to me. I don't ever want Him to show up in a tangible way before me and I'm sitting complacent or still before the living God. He's going to write that in His record books and i got to give account for that. He's going to play His little YouTube when I'm at judgment seat and I'm going to have to watch myself do that. Woe is me. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy to be praised. Worthy. All means all. Hmm. Exodus 30. 13. Nope, 12. Each one must pay the Lord a ransom for his life at the time he has counted. Then no plague will come on them when you... When you number them, each one who crosses over to those already counted is to give a half shekel according to the sanctuary shekel. 
which weighs 20 gehars. Is that close enough? Gears. Gears. Okay. I am from the north now. This half shekel is an offering to the Lord. All who cross over those 20 years old or more are to give an offering to the Lord. The rich are not to give more than a half shekel and the poor are not to give less when you make the offering to the Lord to atone for your lives. It's not after your money. It's after your life. You may be a poor man or you may, may be a rich man, but the, the sum stays the same. All. All. All of your life. Hmm. What am I speaking about tonight? Call me God. <laughs> yes. In case I fail to preach properly, in case my homiletics are terrible, in case my hermeneutics aren't so strong, at least you got the point. Hmm. <laughs> John 12, 24 says this, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Say much grain. Much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. Isn't there our goal? Yes. That we are where he is yeah. and he is where we are. If anyone serves me, my father <laughs> will honor. Oh, there's nothing better than the father's honor. There's nothing better to have the father's favor. You ever walk one day and feel his full favor and walk the next day and not so much? Maybe it's the fasted lifestyle he's after. Maybe he's not looking for you to date him, but to marry him. Yeah. Romans 13, 8. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continual debt of love for one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Do you see what he just did? He literally just explained to us that we have a debt to pay. Jesus Christ poured out his life for you and he requires yours in return. That's right. That's right. All those who cross over, the rich not more and the poor no less. This is an acceptable offering to God, as Romans 12 says. Hmm. John 5, 24, truly I tell all of you emphatically, one of, the scripture, uh, one of the translations says, whoever hears what I say and believes in the one who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. What does that mean? The king of glory has literally invested in you. And a good investor comes for a return. And when the good investor comes for the return, he is expecting something. What is it? Fruit from your life. That's literally a divine transaction that's happened. Did you miss it? 
You see, there was a deposit guaranteeing something to come, right? And then what was to come was a filling for you and the salvation of your soul or the goal of your faith. Are you following me? Yes. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> okay, here's my real question for you tonight. How much was his atonement worth to you? Sometimes you don't even have to tell me. I can see it in your life. Wow. You see, as we drove up here and we listened to last Sunday's message, and we realized that God was trying to drive home a single point to you. What is his atonement worth to you? There's some reserve in here, and you can feel it. There is some powerful, spirit-filled believers in here. But God wants all of you. Every single one of you. He's not willing that one of you would be partially filled. He's not willing that one of you would be reserved in any manner. Who is it? If we were honest with ourselves, we would answer the call. I love it. Leonard Ravenhill's tombstone. You remember what it said? Are these things that you're living for worth Christ dying for? What is it that your life is producing? What are you spending your energy on? Do I, I got your attention? Okay. Are you rich in comfort? Are you rich in time? Are you rich in talent and gifting? <laughs> That's plenty of it in here. Are you rich in affection or rich in wealth? All means all. If you are these things, they are God-given. And they belong to him, not you. He gave them to you so that you could be a blessing. He gave them to you so that you could give them away. Are the things you're living for are living for? worth Christ dying for. Oh, man. It's like God shows up, takes a census, and I'm like, God, we did this yesterday. (laughs) Come on. Let me just get a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. And he says, no, 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 no. Let every man be a liar, but God be true. (laughs) Oh, man. Exodus 30, 16. Receive the atonement money from the Israelites and use it for the service of the tent of meeting. It will be a memorial for the Israelites before the Lord, making atonements for your life. One of the beautiful things I learned while I was here was a concept called Tukum Ha'olam. It just changed my whole life. You know it. Go and repair the world, and as you go, you will be repaired along the way. Why do you think the Arising Church is here today? Because we need to be repaired. We understand that God is building a soul in us, that he's given us a crown, and we're supposed to polish it, fashion it, and then lay it back at his feet. We realize that. We have answered the call, and so have you. All means all, and we want to show him that. 
We want to show Him our affection and our love for Him in a greater way. We understand that there's some areas in our life that when the census was taken and the light was illuminated on our hearts, that we found some things there that were temporal and not eternal. And we know that the great day is coming when all things will be burned away. We understand that the righteous will be barely saved. We understand that we have to pass through fire. We understand that there's some things there that are still left undone. Are you being honest with yourself tonight? Here's my heart. I understand when he says make atonement for your lives in Exodus 30, 16, that Jesus gave that atonement for me. I understand that. He redeemed me. It was him that paid for my redemption. But my part is restitution. This is my heart. I spend so many years ruining other people's lives, but I'm going to spend the rest of my life paying restitution for the king of glory. Not because I have to, but because I want to. Because there's a new spirit in me. There's something else in me that wants to give my life for the glory of God. I'm not willing any longer to have secrets from him. I'm not willing any longer that I might hold a reserve for him. I'm not willing any longer that I might become a smoldering wick or a bruised reed. I'm not willing any longer. You know why? Because others are dependent upon me burning so they may live. If I don't burn, if I don't fully submit, somebody else pays. And therefore, the vicious cycle happens again and again. And I fall back into what I was before. And I will not do it because he is worthy. Because his atonement was worth it. His life was worth it. May the lamb that was slain have his reward of his sufferings in me. I'm not willing. He's prepared a table for me in the midst of my enemies. You know what that means? I'm literally sitting at a table that belongs to the king of glory. I'm eating from it. I'm partaking from it. I'm getting life from him. And you know what? If I just take and take and take and take, I become a glutton. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting fat upon my salvation because I'm not pouring out. It was not God's design. It is not his economy. His economy is that you would pour out and he would pour in. That you would pour out and he would pour in. And the more you pour out, the more he pours in. Because when he says all, he means all. John 7.37 On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up and called out. In a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come and drink to the one who believes in me. It is just as the scripture has said. He said it. So I believe it. He wasn't trying to produce a fog of war and all of a sudden everything's blurry and I can't figure it out. No, the enemy creates confusion. But our God 
gives us an opportunity. Streams of living water will flow from him, within him. Hmm. Let me go back to the smoldering wick for a minute because that one touched my heart. I spent almost six years here. And loved every single day of it. One of the hardest things you can do in the kingdom is listen to the voice of God. Because if you do everything right, or at least most things right, when you leave, it's a difficult thing. If you do everything wrong, it's easy to leave because you're running. Let me ask you something. Are you running away from God? Are you running away from what he's called you to? Are your peers outpacing you? I left here with men on fire of God for God. And I see a few that are smoldering wicks. Should not be. God called you to burn. He called you to burn. So God comes. He shows up. He fills you with his spirit. You get shaken by the Holy Ghost. You get it up, get up, shake it off, and walk away. That was not his intention. His intention was that he would shake your very soul. And in doing so, he would shape you into the image of God. Are you living a fasted lifestyle? You know what that looks like? All that you are. When it says... Those who follow me leave mothers and fathers. He wasn't after your mother and fathers. He was after your heart. It's the literal senses that he's talking about. He showed up tonight. He's taken the senses of your heart. He's given you the ability to see into your heart when he shines and illuminates it and gives you the free will to do something about it. You know what free will needs? An opportunity to practice itself. We'll close tonight. Matthew, you want to come up? Pastor Matthew? Um, sometimes there's good words. And sometimes there's God words. And the truth is, if you feel a stirring in your heart, it's not by your own doing. And it's definitely not by mine. That is God. Amen. The old timers used to say, your unction's not your own. He's whispering to you. Are you going to make him have to shout? If you'll answer his call, if you'll answer his whisper... He will pour out within you. In you will be rivers of living water. Does anybody in here need some of that? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes, me too. Me too. Yes. 